Welcome to Spread Talk with Pam and John, also known as The Calm, Before the Storm. Our purpose is to elevate the conversation and amplify special education resources. And our why is about making the impossible possible. Welcome. I see some familiar faces. Hello, everyone. Sorry I was a little late. No, you're just, you're right on time. And we want to honor both of your time today. We have I'm still waiting for the most important person, really, and that's Pam, because, you know, Miss Pam is the one that keeps this thing going and doesn't let me get too far off the rails one way Somebody or the needs other. to do that. Somebody yeah. needs to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Justin, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like, you know, you, you probably could use a handler from time to time, too, because I know you've got a lot of stuff you attend to and, and get kind of pulled in different directions. But Pam will be with us shortly. But we are, are so blessed to have both of you join us. And really, it's an honor. Justin, you, you have been a sped talker now since we started this thing. And, and Dr. Alexander, you know, you have been so supportive of our work too. And we just really are thankful for that because, you know, I know the liaison role is a, is a important role in the state of Texas. And I think we're plowing new ground really in regards to the kind of what these roles are meant to be, but as well as kind of how they have evolved from year one, two, three, four, now in the fifth year of special education liaison project in Texas, but really that, that we've continued to have the support for things like SPED talk. You know, I know it's a little bit outside of the realm of some of the other work we're doing. And it's just, it's just a privilege and honor that we get to keep doing this work. And then to have yourself and Justin join us today is really an honor. I see Pam just jumped on with us. So I imagine we're going to get going here pretty soon. Would Jennifer or Dr. Alexander, would you introduce yourself and your role to our listeners? I haven't done this before, so everybody bear with me. This is actually my first podcast, so thanks for having me. I'm Jennifer Alexander. I am the Deputy Commissioner for the Office of Special Populations and Monitoring. Uh, You may recognize the name as I was formerly the Associate Commissioner of the Department of Review and Support. Um, But as of November of 2021, I am now the Deputy Commissioner uh, for the office. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And congratulations on the evolution of that role. And I know that's been one of the things we'll talk a little bit about some of the uh, kind of the reorg at TEA and how the the department and the the areas, the focus of the the workflow has kind of been evolving there at TEA during this kind of reimagining of special education oversight and monitoring at the state agency. But also, Dr. Porter, would you introduce yourself? Uh, and your current role there at TEA. Um, hi, everybody. I'm Justin Porter, the State Director for Special Education at TEA, and I have the privilege of working with Dr. Alexander every single day. She's my boss. <laughs> awesome. It's my privilege, Justin. Uh, talk about somebody, somebody having to wrangle me and hold me in. That, that's probably where Jennifer spends a good portion of her energy trying to talk me off a ledge and hold me back a little bit. I didn't want to say that, John, earlier. We all have our guard roles, right? So, <laughs> yes, ma'am. Justin Absolutely. and I, we, we, we provide those guard roles. <laughs> Absolutely. I think Pam and I can totally relate to that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we were talking earlier, and we're talking about the introduction. That's what we could just simply say there's J&J, but not the vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was my joke for the day okay we're <laughs> out Definitely not the vaccine right, <laughs> drop the mic we're done <laughs> yeah. 
Well, Dr. Alexander, you mentioned this being the first podcast that you have, you know, been a part of. And and first of all, thank you so much for choosing to do so here on Sped Talk. Um, and secondly, you know, Pam and I, when we started this, had done very little podcasting, much less listening to podcasts. And so, you know, you're in good company here with the group. We have a group of liaisons from around the state that really support this work in in numerous ESCs. And so we have a few of them sitting uh, in on this episode with us, this recording. Um, But, you know, I think they're here. They just want to kind of be part of you know, being there in the audience and listening. Of course, we always say, hey, if there's a burning question or something that, that pops up, we want them to have voice, but we'll just kind of see how that goes. I know we have some a few questions we wanted to pose to both yourself, Dr. Alexander, and, and you, Dr. Porter, really about just kind of the current state of affairs of special education here in Texas. A lot of change has been occurring over the past several years. And so, Pam, do you want to jump off and just kind of start yeah. us going on the first question? I sure will, John. So our first question is, how is TA currently working to align the efforts of various departments within the agency? So currently what we've done, and so there is a shift. So I will mention that. And anytime you make a shift, there is a way to communicate, transition, and work through that. Um, We have taken steps uh, since the new Division of Review and Support stepped in three years ago, three and a half, maybe almost getting close, and just have continued to evolve and see how we we work together. But I think one of the biggest things that I can speak to, and Justin can follow me up on this, is we saw the real need to be able to, you know, we do a lot of work in special education program for guidance um, and support for LEAs, um, but really we wanted to push that integration efforts uh, across the agency. And so what we've done recently is to develop a new division, the integration division, who really sits across the agency and works across many initiatives to begin ensuring that our program work and our technical assistance, it doesn't just stop in special education program, but it continues to move through HQIM, high quality instructional materials, and uh, making sure that we're considered in the OER. And so we have a team now that that specifically works through that. Some of the other things that they do that we consider more of a large bodies of work for connectivity would be the SPEDTECS work and also the SSES work. So some of those projects, so we have divisions that kind of make sure to synthesize what we're what we're doing and producing and making sure that it gets out in the universe of the inner agency and then when it's appropriate, um, also in those bigger, not inappropriate, but when those bigger ones like sped techs and things, they work through that to make sure everything's connected. So that's recent that we started that. Uh, I would say probably it's been now. <laughs> I mean, it's really starting to move. We make those connections, seeing where we fit and starting to align that work. So that's one of the biggest reorgs. I think another one is when we move the complaints division and dispute resolution into the monitoring. Um, Because there's when a lot of times when we speak of monitoring, we talk about the new cyclical process or the new Mm -hmm. car. But we can't forget that we actually monitor 100% of LEAs first and foremost through the RDA framework. And we also monitor LEAs through SPP data collection. And then we also monitor through cyclical targeted And then we have the complaints process that we are working, then it's helped us in our communication and streamlining and knowing who is working with an LEA and when. And so we're connected and having those conversations and and knowing what's happening and all touch points that that are happening within an LEA from our perspective. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's so important. It's great to see that 
the integration of those the, the work that's occurring across departments at TEA. I know that's not an easy task, you know, because regardless of whether we want to or not, we have departments and just by having separate departments there does create a bit of a silo effect, you know, and we're always working against that silo effect within our organizations to share and flow information through and beyond, you know, those in our department and our agency. And so kudos to TEA for really intentionally taking this on from that perspective. Dr. Porter, do you have anything to add to that? Just that, just sort of the focus of that team has been very much around building relationships with the uh, TEA staff in those other divisions across different offices so that we're constantly part of that conversation because, you know, you can have leadership aligned on, on integration and making sure that the needs for students with disabilities are represented in all products that come out of TEA. That's clear. Our, our cabinet level leadership is, is, is aligned in the importance of that. But what we wanted, what we're trying to avoid with this is that it ends up being this afterthought and, and everybody in the school district can can relate to this yeah. uh, when you think about special education being oh yeah we better think about sped too at the end of the process mm-hmm. uh, what the focus has been with this new team is really to build those relationships and get in on the planning stages and help these uh, help other folks to build whatever it is they're building jennifer mentioned several of them high quality instructional materials reading academies lots of other stuff having them build things with the needs of students with disabilities um, sort of on the forefront. And then, as you know, just, just like in a school district, when you plan when you plan your master calendar around your kids served by special education, everybody else gets, it all works out for everybody, right? Absolutely. If you, if you, if you try to fit it in later, it's going to be super awkward and difficult. And so that's just been the focus of, of that that um, integration division. And they really have come a long way, as Jennifer mentioned, in a, in a short amount of time and building those relationships and getting sort of that footprint in all those areas. And I think we're going to be seeing the fruit to that um, here pretty soon. I'd like to also, you may have some new listeners that may not know. And one thing Justin said is we're definitely supported in in the cabinet um, and special education. A lot of states don't have an office of special populations and monitoring. And so I want to call out that the reorg and the intentionality of the state of Texas uh, to support the Office of Special Populations and Monitoring is a reorg within itself that's that's unique in comparison to many states and shows, you know, the real intentional effort to make the initiatives from the blueprints phase where all students are in mind. And that's how our reorg has been done to, to move us in that direction. What a yeah, great yeah. example. Jump in, Pam. No, yeah. I was just going to say, because John and I were talking earlier and I was, I was telling him, I just did not remember there being an Office of Special Programs at the agency. And so thank you for confirming that. I, I just wasn't getting old and forgetful. Is that <laughs> it just didn't exist. So no, it um, didn't exist. It it started three years ago. And again, working, you know, we work with other states and and we're unique. So yeah, and I think that's a great example and for, for LEAs and, and regional education service centers to hear out there if you're listening in on these episodes and you hear um, our top leaders really for the state saying, hey, we are doing intentional work around aligning that which we plan, that which we, you know, on the front end of what we do to support students with disabilities to ensure it's not just this tag add-on after the fact retrofit, Right. This is a whole new approach from the state level all the way down through our LEAs. And it's just great to know that TEA and that individuals like yourselves within these roles are really leading the charge in this work in that regard. And so thank you both for that. Can you talk a little bit about how some of these efforts and initiatives are taking on an approach maybe beyond compliance? I mean, I know we focus a lot in the area of special education on compliance. I like to say that compliance needs to become kind of that new 
foundation, that floor that we walk on, but it's not the ceiling anymore when we think about special education because now student outcomes, really, graduation outcomes, you know, that is the, the real ceiling now for how we work with students with disabilities in the state of Texas. So, you know, how is TEA in the planning process looking beyond compliance? Would say, um, you know, we when we started three years ago, that was the whole approach that we were looking at: the review, the supportive approach, not only looking at compliance but moving to quality and continuous improvement. And that's a shift for, I would say, uh, my experience prior to. If if you don't know, I worked in school districts for 22 years, so compliance was kind of the focus. And so, mm -hmm. that shift a little bit and. You know, we had a lot of things planned, so I will state that right off uh, for looking at outcomes. And one thing that we didn't expect, no one did, was the pandemic. So in the mm -hmm. middle of the things that we had aligned for some outcomes, and of course, there were no federal rollbacks to IDEA, mm -hmm. but we did have to look at things because some of our systems, of course, looked at what are your outcomes in RDA? What are the outcomes in accountability? And then not having that in 2020 and then coming back in and knowing that the interruptions that occurred to instruction, even the continuation of that through 2021 and what those effects were gonna be on outcomes. It's a great question that you asked that because we have to start looking that we understand that those aren't the only outcomes, but as a state agency, those are some of our biggest, that's, that's some of our biggest outcomes that we were we look at. And if you're familiar and you've been monitored, you know targeted monitoring and cyclical off of those RDA outcomes. And so we didn't, you know, we didn't really have that to look at and that to, to go as strongly with. But what we did do is we've, we've increased our general supervision um, so that each school system in the state is monitored to ensure they're complying. Yes, so there's that piece. But we're also looking at building in some uh, quality to compliance rubrics, which they're not out yet. Uh, Justin's team, he can speak to this too. We're putting rubrics in with a lot of the technical assistance. So that when we do start to, when we're working, and as you know, we continue to monitor and review and be available along with ESCs and liaisons and partner and work together. We want to be able to, to say, okay, it's compliant, but to what quality? Because I think that's where when we start to move into that direction and we're able to start having these conversations and release these rubrics and, and speak to them, not only will we build you know, a consistency and expectation, but we'll also be able to really measure a quality product versus, okay, you're compliant, but it's more than that. And we all know that it's more than that. And everyone wants more than that. And so we're, we should be able to start integrating some of that into the monitoring in the next cycle in the fall. And so there'll be more to come about that and more that we can speak to. I can say that's what's helped us too in our alignment is that we do work with technical assistance and get feedback on all these rubrics. So we're collaborated. So all the resources are aligning and we're having those same consistent communications so that the feedback is consistent. So I think that's one thing that we've we've done to look at continuous improvement and supporting outcomes. I think we've listened to stakeholders and we're being real intentional about the technical assistance that we're creating. I think we're reading data differently. Um, many may not know, I didn't mention this in reorg, but we stood up a, a data team, a special education program reporting team in our office, and they have been working on a data validation um, and data strategy that aligns, we'll take the state performance plan data, that we have the RDA data 
and really be able to start to tie it into self-assessment topics and start to look at other things so that districts can really look at data to tell the story and know where to jump in and then look at the quality of with their programs are being completed. And so we're working on systems to tie all of this together. As you know, you we've been building the plane and flying it at the same time. So we don't have it all out, but this is the intent is to really have this type of communication with LEAs. So it's not okay, you're non-compliant. It's, well, there's, you know, you are compliant, but look what else you can do. Or you're not compliant, but that's okay. We can fix this. <laughs> we can support one another through this and, and we, can, we can change this story. And this is how, and not just checking a box and being done. And I think that's one thing that's been a, a huge change that we've been able to do with the size of the team and the capacity that we have to meet with LEAs. So I hope I answered the question. I, I will say that some of the major improvements we've already uh, seen through the communication, through the intentionality, you know, the number of evaluations in the state has grown from 89,000 to 126,000 uh, last five years. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, you know, if you ever are interested and you just want to look at other states, <laughs> We have identified more students than some states even serve. So, and that mean in total population that they even serve, <laughs> we've identified more students. And so, you know, Texas is, is a large state and we, we have a big charge here. And I feel like the LEAs uh, and the agency and the ESCs are doing a great job in, in, with this. Absolutely. Jeff, I want to yeah. add to yeah. continuous improvement that I missed. I talked a long time. Yeah, I would just add, I mean, Jennifer talked a lot about sort of like how, how we're structured and what, what the philosophies are and what we've tried to put in place. And then that leads, and she mentioned the uh, self-assessment and, and just things there that lead directly to highlighting areas of need within the system. And what we've tried to do in, in our creation of technical assistance resources is make sure that first and foremost, like you mentioned, John, we have that foundation covered. If you have a compliance issue, we're going to have resources either through something review and support has created specific, specifically or through something that the technical assistance team has created to address areas of non-compliance. That's, that's just the foundation, but that's not where the, that's not where good, great things happen for kids. We all know that when you're make, when you're moving the needle for kids, um, it's above and beyond compliance. And so you can be perfectly compliant and not, and have your kids not doing well at all. Uh, so a couple of examples of some things we uh, probably the largest body of work that speaks specifically to this would be um, the work we've done around MTSS, um, which uh, the, the network that we have uh, through a grant with the University of Texas, the Meadow Center at the University of Texas at Austin, they've stood up a, a program called uh, TIER, Tiered Interventions Based on Evidence-Based uh, Research. I never get that acronym quite right. I, I made it almost through it without stumbling. Um, but tier, they have uh, put together a really robust system of trainings around MTSS, starting with some foundational training and then moving that into uh, really 64 different areas to build that out into specific areas within that uh, multi-tiered systems of support to support districts and putting systems in place. And so starting with what is the foundation of it and then looking at your own system that you already have in place and making sort of a plan for where you need training, where you need to bolster things up. But that's that's being stood up through that grant. And we're just 
super proud of that work. It's not completed yet. We're not all the way through it yet, but we're getting there. Uh, it's, it's just a huge body of work and that's accessible to anybody that's interested through their educational service center. The ESCs all have tier trainers on board who can help you uh, get through that process. And so um, that's just one example of things in every area, even areas that tend to be heavily com compliance-based, such as ChildFind or ChildFind Network, who Region 4 holds currently holds a grant for that. Um, they, they focus on best practice as much as anything else, helping evaluators um, with uh, navigate the system and do the best job that they can with that whole entire process. And then also helping LEAs uh, address challenges. That same network uh, is responsible for building out activities around ARD supports. And, uh, and so one of their big pushes that they have there, there's, you know, we have a large shortage across the state of evaluators, whether they're diagnosticians or LSSPs. And one of the, in that all of these staffing shortages, there's not, there's not a silver bullet for any of them. So we're coming at them with lots of little smaller things for smaller initiatives. But for just as an example, uh, standing up training for LEAs and how to set up a system in which you have ARD facilitators doing a lot of the paperwork connected to the ARD meetings, rather than relying on your evaluation staff who could be freed up to be doing other probably more important work that there are work that they're more suited for, that they're, what they're on what they're on salary for, and then um, have someone per perhaps who isn't doesn't have that level of credentialing of an evaluator to take care of some of the paperwork and get ready for the ARD meetings, parent re reaching out to parents and that sort of thing, and making sure that everybody has what they need for that specific meeting. Just that's just one example. Jennifer, you came off mute. I'm sure you have something to add. Well, I think, um, of course, I'll always make the, the shameless plug for the self-assessment because I actually think that, you know, I know this was a big shift when we when we started that and there are many components, but I will say, you know, first of all, thanks to the ESCs and the liaisons for helping support this piece of the work. You know, last year, system-wide, 100% of the LEAs completed the self-assessment and the feedback that we started getting is, of course, and I will, you know, of course, in the beginning, there was some anxiety about it, the timing, the attend the time it takes because of all the components. But what we did find is the feedback is that so many people started integrating, so many LEAs started integrating staff members together, collaborating, communicating. And part of that continuous improvement discussion starts with awareness. And they were growing their internal staff and having those conversations. And we've gotten a lot of positive feedback from ESCs and from the LEAs about the work. I mean, and I've had some comments, you know, uh, that, that were shared. We really didn't want to do it. We grumbled a lot. We weren't sure. But then when we got in there, we had some really rich conversations with our, our staff and with our liaisons. And we were really able to pinpoint some specific training and put some things together to support our outcomes. And so this is another effort that we believe that through continuous improvement that that has helped there. And as a reminder, it's the self-assessment is not was not developed to be a compliance tool. In many states, the self-assessment is a compliance tool. You self-report. This was developed to be a way to check your systems at, a, at an overarching level to determine what was needed to be able to tie it to some data points. And then as Justin is speaking, find out which trainings you would need to integrate to support your LEA's needs specifically. Yeah, that sounds great. I, I kind of want to go back for a second and just kind of mention what you were talking about, looking at the quality indicators, looking at it quality as well as compliance, mm. because, you know, one thing, one frustration of some districts have been we're doing a lot. We're doing above, we're, you know, we're above compliance, but heck, somebody forgot to mark something on the form. <laughs> you know, so now we're out of compliance and you know, they're going to address the out of compliance component, but it's just that, that feeling of defeat because 
you're doing your best. They're working as hard as they can. And yet they're dealing with a out of compliance piece that just might just been a somebody overlooked something in the art and paperwork. And so I was just thinking, it was just great to hear that now we're going to be looking at quality as well as the mm. compliance component, because it's those quality things that, that really make, in my opinion, make the difference for the students. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'd like yeah. to. I think that's a good point. And one of the things, it's that quality check too and developing your, your progress monitorings. And, and we're all human. There are things that are going to happen and we recognize that. And the quality piece too is not to say that that there's, if they're compliant, there's, it was it's not being uh, developed to request an action, let's say out of compliance. It's, we've gotten feedback. And so I'm not sure how many are aware, but we piloted a serve qual at the end of monitoring. And so what we've asked to do is, what do you perceive this monitoring is going to be about? And then afterward, did we do what we said we would do? It is a customer service check to us and then also a quality check to us on our materials. And one, everything's been really positive with the exception, we got a little bit of harsh feedback about the report. I'll be you know, very transparent about that. And so that's one, a big important piece. And one of the things would be is the feedback piece. What more could we do? And so that is another purpose for the, the the quality piece is also to be able, for, like I said earlier, for us to be able to say, you may not have an action to this, but if you are looking for continuous improvement, here's an area where quality could be improved. And here are some recommendations of some places where you could get support for that or some PDs that you could look into or some guidance documents, or you could consider training, but not necessarily a, a negative. It's to to increase the support and the communication and and the effectiveness of the report. Yeah, that, I, I love that explanation. And I, and, I, and Pam, I think that was a great point to make that, you know, I mean, we're all human. We're out there hustling. Most people are in this profession to make a difference for kids. And compliance matters because the, the compliance points that we attend to are the things that tend to lend towards students thriving in a system. And that's why we attend to and monitor those things. And so, you know, I I think great conversation about that. So thinking about since the inception, we've talked a little bit about the new monitoring system and, you know, and we know now all LEAs in the state of Texas are are monitored cyclically over time, that six year process. And of course we have targeted and intensive monitoring. We won't get real deep into that right now, but we know that's part of that process. But do you have any additional takeaways or maybe lessons learned about, you know, what you're seeing out in LEAs? Are there some pain points? Are there some areas that districts could be planning for? Or are there some positives that you'd like to share? I would like to say, first off, the positives of our, is really the whole process of interacting with LEAs. I haven't heard one negative feedback in three years from the experience of the team and working with LEAs, the transparency, the communication that they're having, and also oftentimes when liaisons and um, participate in that in those meetings as well. I've heard a lot of positive feedback, and I think that that goes back to one of the things that when we started this monitoring process that we wanted to do. We wanted to make sure that we were accessible, available, able to communicate about the needs of the LEA. And so I feel like, and have some transparency. So I feel like that piece has been, I think some of the lessons that we've had to learn is we're using a platform. And so you're developing it at the same time that you're monitoring. So we've had some bumps in some of the document desk review uploads. I think uh, we've had some, a little bit of a bump this last year in doing some new methodology for, for how we do folder selection. 
But I think all of those things have just strengthened the communication and strengthened the process. So I think, you know, the other things we've seen, you asked me a couple of things in there, but the other thing you asked me about what could help. And I would say if districts know they're coming up and monitoring, and you really are interested in seeing, we've been very, very transparent about the seven prioritized areas that we really dive deeply into in monitoring. And just to remind anyone that may not know that 83% of the instances of noncompliance when we started this were in seven areas primarily. Now, that doesn't mean we don't look at other areas or not responsive to other areas that could be there, but there were those seven areas that we, we primarily saw the majority. So we continue to look at that and we continue to support that. And after each group of monitoring, we get that data, disaggregate it, share it out to ESCs to show where each of your regions are strong, uh, where they're making progress, so that you, you know, you have the knowledge to support your LEAs in those areas and support your region if it's regionally different. And we also do the trending topics that I would remind. We actually go into the top areas where there was non-compliance found across the state from a state look, and we provide technical assistance links directly to those areas. And we send those both in the newsletter, Justin sends that out in the special education newsletter, and it's posted on the website. So we're trying to be really proactive to say, here's what we're seeing and take a look. And I would encourage you to take a look, see if the, if, if you've noticed that in your own practices and, and we're providing those resources. We have seen some shifts in some of that data, but it's, again, I'm going to speak to the data. It's been kind of tough because of, of the COVID impacts that we hit. Some of our data shifted, but I will say an area that I would continue to encourage to look at would be the transition area. That has stayed an area of need, you know, from the beginning and it still continues to be. I have not seen this last group's data. So in all fairness, we're getting ready to report that out. We did have a little bit of delay in the reports because we went ahead and quickly, we did quickly respond to make some quick adjustments to the report. So this one will look a little bit different because um, the feedback that we had received, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of what we are looking at there. I think targeted is a lesson learned, John. I think what you'll see in the future that what we would have to look at uh, and targeted to give deeper levels of support to LEAs, I think we're going to have to, in this starting this fourth year, possibly fifth year, we're going to have to look at how we communicate and give support around targeted a little bit uh, differently. I think that would be a lesson learned there. I think we're looking at things, but I think we could do more to support an LEA there. Pam, jump in. It looked like you were about to ask a question. I was just going to ask Justin if he has anything he wanted to add. Um, not not specifically on that. I think that I think that Jennifer covered it as as deeply or as as we could. I was thinking we might make it through uh, this episode with, without saying the T word transition, but we did not. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> as a transition person, I know what you're talking about. So mm-hmm. it's a tough area. There's because there's comp- different components to it, and trying to work so people understand it. LEAs understand the different levels and what it what does it mean. It's it's been an effort. And for someone who's been working with it for years, it continues. We have some great new resources. We have some good things coming out. I'm super excited about the transition conference. I see a lot of intentionality and support there. I just I really, you know, I I I do see some we do see some growth, but it still continues to be an area 
of needed support. So really continuing to push on those new resources and supports to LEAs would be a focus for sure, uh, coming up monitoring. You've mentioned a lot about transparency and, and want to be transparent. So would you discuss that uh, with our listeners? I'll start and then I'll let Justin, from the monitoring perspective, one of the things that we um, have done is everything that we use, we post on our website. So our tools <laughs> that we use um, for the desk review, the dyslexia program review, all of those items are posted on the review and support website. Additionally, we post all the reports. So after a monitoring cycle, we publicly post those reports. And I feel like we've been, I feel like we've put some systems in place and I'll let Justin speak to this even, even more. He has more, more historical knowledge, of course, but I, I think that we put some structures in place for meeting with ESCs, meeting with liaisons, giving data, giving feedback, trying to be really proactive so that we're, we're communicating uh, consistently and uh, efficiently about what's happening and what we're seeing and more in the minute. And I feel like we've posted our webinars. We put dates out when we're going to come back to those webinars. We put the PDF for those. So I feel like we're putting more that's available from just more of those compliance standpoints. <laughs> um, I, I feel like we're we're doing that and being more transparent about where to find those things. We've posted the entire cycle there's no guessing about when you're going to get monitored. We're not trying to, we've said all along, this is about making change and making positive change through both compliance and outcomes. It's not about an I gotcha. And we've really tried to stand behind that and be continue to be transparent about that and, and communicate around that. So that would be my perspective on the level toward the monitoring pieces of transparency. Justin, anything you want to add? Just in, just in general, echoing that, trying to have as much out there for uh, for general consumption as possible and increasing communication and touch points with folks. Um, so there's more opportunities to be transparent and have that open two-way communication. Well, like, so we meet every week with ESC SPED directors, either in a huddle or in an, uh, a larger ESC um, Zoom type setting where, where lots more folks are on the call and meeting a couple different times a month with uh, directly with LEAs, which that's a new thing uh, that came up as a result of COVID. And we've just held on to it because it's we've gotten good feedback from LEAs. And, uh, and we also see it as a great opportunity for us to get information out in front of LEAs without necessarily a filter in between us and them. Uh, so trying to balance all of that, um, I think with regard to policy and policy development, we have definitely over the last three or four years really increased the amount of uh, engagement we have with stakeholders on policy questions and bringing in groups, outside groups, including a council of special education directors that we engage with regularly on about a quarterly basis and getting their imp input on feedback and different resources. And then also on just various groups within the advocacy community that we engage with on a regular basis, letting them give us feedback on sometimes on policy um, guidance before it actually goes live so that we can sort of try to be ahead of any questions in that or you know be ready to answer, answer things for LEAs, we're going to ultimately be implementing those policy decisions. So uh, it's not perfect, and we continue to iterate and are pleased, wide open for feedback on how we can be more transparent and engage uh, more authentically with stakeholders. But it's definitely been a huge focus for us um, the monitoring and the program side for the last three and a half or four years, uh, definitely. And, and we're hopeful that the field is getting that sense. And as Justin is saying, we, we are engaging more, we're seeking that feedback more, 
we're sending, I know there's a lot of surveys that go out, but we really do trying to develop that customer service support model, trying to get that feedback during the moment after the monitoring so that we can iterate it on, on it quickly to make sure that we are providing what LEAs are needing for support. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that that last piece there, that customer service, that service model. And, and that's one of the things, obviously, service centers, we like to say it's literally our middle name, right? <laughs> Education service centers. And so, and we all go about it in our own kind of spin at our ESCs and how we go about embodying what it means to be that service model and you know in that intentionality at the state agency to say listen you get more when you partner with people than when you hold a hammer or a stick over them you know and and yes we're in the business of governance oversight monitoring that's what we are charged to do in these roles not at the escs but at the at the state agency at tea and yet we know that we want to invest in and partner with those at the LEAs and the ESCs to ensure that we're getting more done in better and in more efficient ways. And so I love that you mentioned that service model approach. And, and I can tell you there's a trend that I hear often in our liaison group when you know you have liaisons around the state and all ESCs engaging in these, these collaborative efforts with ISDs and public charters and, and this important work. And what we tend to hear is even when there are there's areas of noncompliance or there's rough spots in the, in the review, I almost always hear, but working with TEA was great. Like they were fabulous. Like, uh, you know, so-and-so was my uh, technical assistance person. You know, so-and-so was my contact at TEA. So-and-so, I mean, it's just this, it's a theme. It's a trend I hear over and over, which is, listen, we're doing difficult work. We're having critical conversations. Some of it's not fun, but working with, our colleagues at the agency has not been the problem. And so kudos to y'all for, for the work that you're doing within the agency to create those conditions for the benefit of our LEAs, really that continuous improvement across the state. Pam, I'm talking, you know, I get going. I, yes, I do, John. I do know that. So I think we're getting really close to the end because you yeah. kind of answered our last couple of questions. So we're just going to kind of open it up. I'm going to keep John quiet because I see his mouth is open, which means he's got something to say. But is there something that you all want to share with us that we have not asked and that you want our listeners to know? I don't know, Justin, can you think of something else you might want to well, mention? Yeah, I can jump in and just talk a little bit about sort of access linking to one of our um, our network research, our technical assistance network websites um, right now. So that's all different ways to sort of get at that. What we're working on. And um, we're super excited about is sort of like the, the bringing together in one place of all of that. And so um, we're building right now, um, we're calling it a technical assistance dashboard. Hopefully when it's done, it'll have a more fun, exciting name. Um, but as you go through the monitoring process, you're going to, whether it's through your self-assessment, whether it's through cyclical or wherever it is, this system, this dashboard is going to point you directly towards resources that are tailored to help you um, address areas of areas within your self-assessment and your monitoring in which uh, could be areas for improvement for you. Um, so we're super excited about that. That's going to be one way into this. But what is what that dashboard is going to point you to is not going to be this wild west of we've got all these websites everywhere and stuff just posted hither and nither. Uh, it's not really hither and nither. We've tried to get <laughs> we've tried to get it aligned a little bit, but it is it is kind of a you have to know where to look. You have to know what uh, what what network it might live with or whatever to find it. Um, but in a, to so to companion or or connect with that dashboard, uh, we're working on, on creating a, an integrated content management system and an integrated learning management system in which you can go to one place. 
Um, and you can, and I always use this as an example because it just works out well for me, but you can say in my district, we have identified a need in the area of behavior and we want to, we want to, we want to make improvements into our programming for behavior. And so you can put in a keyword search and it's going to show up resources for you from our autism network that might support you with behavior. It's going to pull in resources from uh, the MTSS work that I was talking about with tier that's, that could help you with behavior. It may also have things coming from evaluation to help you in identifying students with emotional disturbance or whatever is connected to that uh, and bring it together all in one place for you to know where they are and how they are or how to access them. In addition to that, in this new system, you'll be able to create an account and sort of favorite things or even like favorite a search. So if you did a search on something and it yielded a lot and you want to get back to that, it'll be right there again. You can go back and find it. Um, and so I think this is going to be, and also it's not going to be just the resources, static PDFs and videos or webinars or whatever. It could also be linking you into the learning management system where you're going to have online asynchronous courses uh, that can help you address X, Y, or Z area of concern or growth for your LEA. And so um, we're super excited about that. And you'll, you'll be able to plan within the system and create a plan to uh, to sort of walk through things and you could do that in tandem with your the person who's helping you with for monitoring with your very talented liaison from your ESC with other consultants at the ESCs you could also do it all on your own um, just within the system so we're excited about that the, the dashboard should launch late summer this year and we think part of the CMS LMS will be up and running early in next school year as well so um, it's it's exciting stuff it's gonna it's taken us a while to get to where we are and it's gonna be if you um, have dug in at all, you know how many hundreds and hundreds of resources actually exist within the system. And so all of that is being tagged and connected in different places. There's a lot of work going to have to happen behind the scenes to make this all work. But uh, we're super excited about what the potential for that's going to be um, from the LEA perspective and accessing all of that. We spent a lot of money and a lot of time over the last few years creating things. And now we're sort of shifting a little bit in focus from just continuing to create more stuff when uh, and actually um, shift in uh, putting a focus on implementation and getting people to the right resources and helping them use it and make the most out of it and actually have the intended impact rather than just putting it out there and hoping for the best. Spray and pray is what we used to call it. You just put it all out there and hope for the best right but really trying to be more intentional about getting folks to exactly uh, what they need and then helping them with that change management process putting things in place to help them uh, with that implementation through coaching and other supports like that yeah that is super okay. exciting i'm so glad that y'all brought that up and mentioned that i think that is going to be a game changer for educators in the state of texas really you know it's one thing to have tons of resources and all this stuff at your disposal but when you have you know, a dozen or more different locations to go and you have to have a certain level of expertise to know where to go to find those things on each of those sites. That itself can be kind of offsetting in some ways and or, or inhibitive when we're always fighting against time and against, you know, priorities and such. So to have a, uh, for the agency to put together kind of this one-stop shop model for, you know, all things resource, if you will, is just going to be huge, I think, in Texas. And I hope that that when we get to that point, we that liaisons are integral in sharing that information and that how to get to that spot, you know, how exciting that'll be. And so, Pam, I think we've 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 covered a lot of ground. Yes, we have. Thank you both so much for what you do statewide to support um, students with special needs out in our schools and really for taking time today to sit down and kind of join this conversation and join us on SPED Talk and on behalf of liaisons throughout the state and educators, we just really do value the time that you've given us today and and appreciate that transparency and that openness to share and talk about some of these things that aren't always easy to talk about. And so thank you both so much for coming on to SPED Talk today. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Well, thank Thanks you for, for having us. Come back anytime.
Absolutely. Thank you for your continuous support for Sped Talk. We do appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Bye, y'all. John, tell everyone how they can continue to elevate the conversation about special education in Texas. You got it, Pam. They can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Sped Talk 2020. Because in these disconnected times, connecting with others has never been so important. Now more than ever, it takes courage to create culture and kindness to keep us connected. If you enjoyed this episode of Sped Talk, be sure to share it with a friend because information should always flow through us, not to us. We couldn't do this without you, our listeners, and we need your help sharing the amazing transformation occurring in special education. Together, we can change the trajectory of learning opportunities in Texas for students with disabilities. If you have ideas, information, or resources that you think we should share on an upcoming episode of Sped Talk, let us know at Sped Talk 2020 on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And be sure to like our page while you're there. Oh yeah, and if you get a chance, please consider giving us a positive review on the podcast platform that you listen to Sped Talk. Living in the moment and the moment is the future.